0: Hi, everyone. We thought we'd drop a little mini-episode this week as Troy and I got into talking about AI without Brian as he had to leave for a call. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. And as always, please subscribe and share the podcast with everyone you know. Thank you. keep doing the podcast and just talk about Brian. Do you think he was worried about the things I said?
1: No, no, I don't think he's worried about that. I think he's got a model that would survive that pressure. Yeah, But I I do think, one of the reasons I I started using Perplexity, I found, for people that don't know, Perplexity is basically kind of a variant, I suppose, on ChatGPT, but it does a couple things differently. I I don't know if it's better quality. It does access multiple LLMs. And it has a discover thing where it actually brings queries to you, which is like a newsfeed almost. Alex,
0: yep. Yeah, yeah. So
1: the number one story—I don't know if it's personalized—but the number one story in the discover feed on Perplexity. Perplexity, by the way, is twenty bucks a month. I would pay five hundred bucks a month for it. So it's Epic Games that wins against Google. Anyway, there's about ten stories there. They, that's all they do—is ten in this discover thing. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You pay five hundred bucks for that. 100 percent. Yeah, I would pay five hundred bucks for that. Have you compared its output to to ChatGPT?
0: Yeah, and I think ChatGPT, I use it much more for long running conversations. It is faster than ChatGPT and in it's definitely getting searchers. faster
1: at combing through the web. It's way yes, faster.
0: and so it's it's an incredible search engine. I mean, it's my new search engine. I replaced Google with it entirely. And ChatGPT, the the thing, I mean, Troy, I had a transcendental experience with chat GPT where well, I was uh, stuck in traffic heading into San Francisco there were multiple crashes and I, I was on
1: in track for three and a half hours it's when you called me we were meeting for dinner
0: yeah yes and it, you know I was listening to podcasts getting a li- I got a little bored and I thought oh I'll try chat GPT's you know voice chat find there's a little delay between hearing your questions and it's not always perfect but I went from trying to find a material to put on my wall that can act as sound dampening and a pin board help me find that. And then I started discussing the narrative of my game. And I was doing it in a very nonlinear way. And it was creating all these connections. And it helped me think through the ending of the game, just simply by being able to recall pieces of information that I had, themes that I wanted to get, generating ideas, etc. It was all in a voice conversation. And because of the fact that I was stuck in traffic, I actually gave it the time to to just like break through speaking for over an hour, and it was incredible. I had been you know deep into that world for a long time, but I hadn't experienced that. And it's not that I ever thought, well, I'm talking to a real person. I'm very much talking to a computer. But the ability to engage with a system on a computer in a very natural way, not having to worry too much about your query or how you're framing it, being imprecise as you are when you talk, and still having it come back with very useful things is is incredible. Just like really impressive, and I think when you change the way we interface with computers in that way, things are going to change. I don't even know what the future looks like beyond that, but I hope it's a good one.
1: That's a great story. I can totally see that. I've done similar things, but they've been more linear and task-based. And I think part of the reason was the environment shift, because you were in the car and you had time, and you were talking.
0: It's interesting on a psychological level, because when you're talking to someone else, I think in the back of your mind, you're very conscious about how they're receiving that information, what they might think of you, how much sense you're making. And I'm one of those people that that can talk a lot and very fast and, and get confusing, so I'm particularly conscious about this stuff. But talking to a machine like that really allows you to just be free with what you say, And it's just like a very free creative expression. You're not thinking about if you're typing this word right or your punctuation or anything like that. You're just expressing yourself freely to a system that is absorbing that information and spitting it back out. I think it's a pretty dramatic and deep change in the way you communicate and parse your own information in your brain. It's profound. And I'm not even sure I'm making sense now, but that was the feeling like you you you're dealing with something that is completely not non-judgmental that catches every point and nuance that you're making and is able to reclarify it you know and you do that on a podcast with me sometimes you'll hear what i say and then you kind of will come back with a much more sharp way of saying it but in that case it also removes that anxiety of judgment or punctuation or grammar that you have when you're when you're talking or writing something even by yourself mhm mhm and it's that comfort i think that can get you to think very differently so i think we're going to see an explosion of potentially new thoughts and human thoughts you know new ideas through that exciting
1: ultimately the road leads back to the act of reporting is a deliberate function where you take something that's happened and you endeavor to figure out like how all the pieces fit together and it's a lot of digging and a lot of work and a lot of formulation to make it truthful and understandable, and that's paid for by that's media. And there's a lot of media that's not that, and that you could see being commoditized and absorbed, and in in lots of ways where you just won't get paid for it. That that economy won't exist. But someone said to me the other day, you know, my daughter was not my daughter; their daughter was thinking of going to journalism school and he cautioned her that it was maybe not a great idea given how difficult it is to make a living in media now and i thought that was the wrong advice because to me the act of reporting and critically just working through any sort of issues through the mechanics of reporting is really important to society right and won't go away and so it's just, it, it really does put a lot of things that we've understood to be foundational in play. Meaning, most advertising has, this value proposition has been eroded by the internet because you can get information on anything you need pretty readily. Advertising that creates demand or creates desire will always need to exist. Right? But there's the the funneling act, which is take intent and move it into something. But like the if you're selling or looking to build meaning around a handbag, you're still going to need to do that in different ways. It's just how you do that is is going to be vastly different than it is today. And the idea of systematic media execution against a brand objective is probably over completely, meaning you, you'll try to get your bag in the hands of the right people or in the right setting and all that stuff. but. Using media to do it is increasingly futile.
0: Yeah, uh, and I wonder how much worse the reality is, because a lot of this stuff changes slowly and is carried on the fumes of people still having these media buys going through, and and it's just people are used to working the way they're working, right? And the system kind of functions like that. I wonder if everybody actually stopped and looked at what they were doing, they wouldn't say like, oh my God, it's actually worse than we thought, you know? So with that, I mean, I do think like. It's a, it's such a fundamental shift that it's hard to make predictions around that stuff. I do think being a reporter is still useful. I I do find myself consuming more voice and video content than ever from very specific people. I would pay for the the the, the Vergecast. I pay for a lot of podcasts actually, but I'm definitely less interested about paying to receive articles. I expect a lot of people will feel like that over time. And at the same time I read I read more than ever, you know. It's
1: just that podcasting is you know, just it's a
0: terrible business,
1: <laughs> except for the very, very, very few. And the reason yeah. is, is it has the linear investment of a television show, meaning you're going to set aside an hour of time. Yeah. But it has the creation economics of of a phone conversation, you and I just talking. But on the other side, it demands a lot of someone's time to do it. So you're inevitably going to get a huge number of them because it's easy to make them and you're going to get problems in discoverability and you're going to get very few that break through and so what was that stat that stat was two dollars per listener was the most recent research on is that
0: what is that is that per month what is that
1: i think it's annually all right it's not a lot it might be per month maybe it is per month but on the other hand, I don't think that I think that maybe 2023 was the year that we saw how important podcasting was to influencing people and changing sentiment. I mean, call it what you want, but like you know, I know you hate listen to all in, but it's massively influential. Yeah, I mean, yes it is. I think it's just a, a
0: podcast exists in such a different modality. Right, where like audio for now has just been background noise, and and it didn't really matter what was on the radio. You just had to keep people engaged, subtly engaged. But the ability of having on-demand audio, I think, is is a new behavior for a lot of people still in the podcasting world. And I think as the dollars move away from other stuff, I could see more more money coming into podcasts and and better discovery and all that stuff. It's not slowing down, but everything in Podcast feels like it's it's going to slow grow very slowly, but I have decided to do things that are hard and take a long time because my thesis is that this stuff is and remains a moat, mm-hmm. right? Maximizing scale to try to like trick a system into generating huge amounts of traffic for you—that is not. A, computers are very good at replacing that. Computers are very bad at spending three years trying to build like subtle emotional resonance in a video game, right? Right. People are very bad in creating relationships over hours and hours that people kind of get attached to. And we see it, like people who listen to a podcast experience it in different ways than just getting the information. I mean, we're not that smart.
1: Well, two things. One is I think I'm going to have to get the console to play Grand Theft Auto 6. Yes. Because I found it. Very compelling, and Seb, my son, really wants to play it too with me. So yeah. I'd like to do that.
0: Yeah, well, you um, got time.
1: I got time. And then the other question is: Are you getting a Cybertruck?
0: No, no, I'm not getting a Cybertruck. I'm getting the new Toyota Land Cruiser, I think, which is a hybrid and and looks amazing. And was my dream car. And I'm getting you should get the,
1: the Lexus GX.
0: I'm getting the small Volvo EX30 as a electric commuter. That's a bit of a bitch car. Oh, it's a great car. The the thing about the Cybertruck is towing is not great with electric cars. It looks actually deeply unpractical for my daily use case. I actually don't like the way it looks and it's really expensive. So I don't think it's a good car and there's a lot of videos of it being pulled out of the dirt by F-150s people are regaling about. Also, whatever Elon Musk accomplished, he definitely accomplished the fact that now owning one of his products feels like a... Like a political statement, and I just don't want to make any. So I can't wait
1: to get rid of it. That was of, the stupidest thing test. he ever did. I know it's tragic. It's
0: it's like you could be, I, I was fine being neutral about him. I've bought every one of his products. I don't expect smart people to be I think perfect. There's a
1: difference between being a quirky builder, entrepreneur, or having different points of view, but like he's being an asshole lately.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's being, I think he's, he feels like everyone's against him and he's turning into, he goes like, yeah, well, I didn't want friends anyway. <laughs> True. Right? Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, bringing Alex Jones back on the anniversary. It's just creepy. It's Stupid. despicable. I mean, and yeah. then having a fucking Twitter spacer with Alex Jones and a convicted like sex trafficker. Like, what are you trying to prove?
1: So uh, I I don't know. Test his free speech thesis. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I, you know I what? Mean, I think the whole world spends too much time trying to think about what he's yes. actually doing. Right. So exactly. Let's not, let's not do that.
0: Just we're watching somebody just unravel a little bit. However, this was a, a good episode. I think we'll release this one as a mini episode the same week. Test it out. Cut it into two episodes. I think that would be good. All right. All right. Take care. Ciao.